Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome back to The Shift. Stez here. Katie is not with me, in fact. For those who love Katie, the sad news is she wasn't with me for this episode. And the only reason for that is that I was visiting Las Vegas, and, well, I was working in Las Vegas. And through Instagram, I had um, been following uh, this woman called Kate Sheeler, who, of course, I've been mispronouncing as a Shalor in previous episodes, uh, teeing this ep up. Uh, I had been following her. I don't even know how, but we, we do have a lot of mutual friends. And I noticed that she does a lot of uh, sort of uh, sex instruction uh, videos on Instagram and seems to be moving into the, you know, the, the, the world of making people more comfortable with sex and, you know, suggestions to uh, help people improve their sex life. So... A couple of months ago, I said, hey, I'm going to be in Vegas in May. Would you do an episode with me for uh, my new sex and dating podcast? And she said yes. Then a couple of days before the ep, she actually told me that her partner is a hypnotist. His name is Mark Savard. And uh, he'll be around uh, if, if, if uh, I wanted him to join. But she was fine either way. But I thought it would be interesting. I looked him up. And then, to my great surprise, which is sad that I hadn't done the proper research, I realized that Kate also is involved in the world of uh, hypnotism and hypnotherapy. So I was quite delighted that suddenly I was going to be chatting with two uh, hypnotists slash hypnotherapists and able to look at the world of um, hypnotherapy and how the mind in, you know, gets involved in sex and uh, your sexual performance and, uh, problems that may uh, people may encounter in the bedroom. So long story short, because this is a very sort of long-winded intro, uh, this is really, oh, oh, most importantly, I was so fascinated about hypnotism that actually for the first 20 minutes, I'm really just asking them about hypnotism. And I hope you guys are okay with that. I thought it was really interesting. I didn't know that much about hypnotism. So uh, I, I, think, I think it's an interesting chat. And then uh, we talk about how Kate got into hypnotism, which was actually she was trying to cure the fact that she couldn't have an orgasm when she was with somebody else while she had no problem having an orgasm with herself. So that's kind of our intro into uh, hypnotherapy and sex. Uh, we talk a little bit too about uh, erectile dysfunction and how hypnotherapy can uh, cure that. We talk a little bit about neurolinguistic programming, which is the kind of stuff that Tony Robbins talks about. Uh, and there's there's some good stuff uh, just about the mind and sex. And uh, I really enjoyed the chat. 
It's quite long. I had to pee in the middle of it. I apologize for that. There is literally a pee break in this app. Um, and enjoy it. I think uh, I'll have Kate and Mark on again. They were fascinating. I think I'll do a chat with them every time I go to Vegas. Um, Katie, I'm sure, enjoyed the week off. And uh, listen, the, the conversation starts um, in Mark's house. He was filming it because he wanted the, the content for himself. So there may be some, uh, you may hear some weird references about the camera. That's because uh, Mark was filming it for his own, uh, for his own website. And uh, listen, I'll chat to you guys after this ep with Mark and Kate talking about hypnotism, hypnotherapy, and the bedroom. I can't even remember how I ended up following you, but I assume it has something to do with the, the, one of the times I was in Vegas. I saw that you follow, a, a, we have a mutual, well, a mutual follower in Max from the Opium Show. So I, oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if, 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 if that's how it happened. But then when I started doing the podcast, I was curious to talk to you. But then you told me yesterday that, you know, Mark wouldn't mind getting involved. And then I was really fascinated because you're both hypnotists. Yeah, in no time at all. You could be out cold and we could be doing this yeah. interview alone. I, I, I know. I'm a little bit worried, you know. <laughs> Suddenly, an hour later, I was like, why is my bum sore? Yeah, but, uh, I remember nothing. But uh, anyway, uh, so, so you're, you're both hypnotists. Is, is that what brought you guys together? It is. Yeah, absolutely. I took a class. I took a hypnosis course. I was familiar with hypnosis. I used to work in TV uh, as a producer, and we had worked on, we had had some TV shows with hypnotists on them and some magic shows and some other stuff and I was I, I understood it on a surface level and was very interested in it so I decided to take a class and he was teaching the class uh. I got a little hot for teacher and uh after after the class we we got together and um and we are still together so well, that's great you're yeah. the first couple that I've had on the podcast cool. oh I mean I normally have a co-host but she's not in Vegas mm. But we had, we had actually been chatting about how we'd like to get a couple on. Because we feel like uh, she's recently in a relationship and I'm not in a relationship. We feel like we've been ignoring couples. Because mm. it's like all the singles, the, the world and, of things. Yeah, and there's there. been a lot, of, a lot of chat about the early stages of a relationship. Yeah. Getting to know somebody sexually. We haven't focused that much on breaking away from the mundanity of being together for a long time. or mm -hmm. any, you know. But, but before, before I talk anything about that. I am. I am fat. I saw. I saw a thing on. I think it was on your website about what hypnosis is. Mm -hmm. So outside of the performance realm, and this is a question for 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 both of you, how do you quickly describe hypnosis to people? Well, what hypnosis really is is we have the awakened state and the sleep state, and hypnosis is kind of in between as characteristics of both. You're dreaming while being completely awake, and in the dream world, we can. Uh, influence ideas that have no rules, such as you can dream that, you know, you're riding a bike and the bike starts flying and never does your mind go, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. It simply goes along for the ride and goes, this is fantastic. In hypnosis, we take those same dream characteristics while being fully conscious and awake. So when someone's hypnotized, we can make them think or perceive that they're flying on or riding a bike that can fly. So the rules change in that world. And because there's a part of the brain that is kind of runs the checks and balances. So when things happen in our everyday lives in our conscious state, it can take in information, decide if it's accurate or not accurate, accept the idea or reject the idea. In hypnosis and also in dreaming, that part of the brain sort of turns off. So we can accept ideas as face value uh, without any you know, rejection to them. So it allows 
us to create a new reality in the mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. But so uh, how, first of all, how did the, the science or the, the skill of it come about was it just like experience over 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 a generation over millennia of discovering that there's a way to create a dream state while awake well it all started with franz anton mesmer uh mesmer like did something called mesmerized yeah oh, that's where it comes well, from God, i love etymology yeah there you go so uh he used to do something that was called animal magnetism and he would do these experiments with women who were sick you know and it was primarily only women and he would was, make was the, there was there was there a bit of me too to <laughs> well, yeah, he, for, yeah for sure yeah he would if me too had been around maybe mes yeah. mesmerized would no longer be a word <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. so but it's funny that you mentioned that because the women had to be naked and is that they had right to, yeah they had to hold up there was this big for science big vat for of science. water and they had these metal rods in it and these iron filings on the bottom and they used to hold on to these rods and he had this purple purple cloak you know, which I wish was still in hypnosis because I'd like to wear a purple cloak. Oh, God. Uh, well, you yeah, can do that. Yeah, you are aware of that. You need to and put yourself in hypnosis, I say, <laughs> so you have the freedom to wear a purple cloak without being aware of yeah. yourself. Yeah. I do not look like an asshole. I look awesome. Right? Yeah. So he would have these naked women and he would cure their hysteria. But what he didn't realize was that it was the power of suggestion that was causing that. They came in with an expectation of what was happening and the mind works, like one of the mind's rules are what is expected tends to be realized. When we take an idea and that idea, we make a reality. For example, if you were to imagine that I'm holding a lemon and I cut the lemon in half and I take half the lemon, I squeeze the lemon juice into my mouth and I can taste the sourness and the bitterness and and when you can feel your mouth start to pucker a little bit, that's when you see the mind and the subconscious mind and the power of our imagination doing its work. There's never I, a I lemon. I was actually starting to get paranoid. I said, this motherfucker's trying to hypnotize me. Yeah. This is the beginning. You start to you know, freak it's like, out a little. <laughs> yeah. I've this is seen how the, it starts. I, I've seen the Jordan Peele movie. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> I've got my teacup right here. This know? motherfucker, the bitterness. Is like, and you're feeling bitter. You know? yeah. but what, you're What's your relationship with your mother like? <laughs> and, where's, and where's your wallet? What did they call it? It wasn't the upside down. That was... Uh, what did she get out. In Get, get out. out, though, what is it? Oh, Where does she take him? I forgot. Oh, I can't remember. The upside down is a. The upside down is from is from Stranger Things. Stranger but Things. But she takes yeah. him to uh, this place, the this dark other, place. Or the something dark. Like that's that. it. The dark place. <laughs> yeah, you haven't seen Get Out? I have, but I, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Just a moment. But sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. So, you. so but when your body responds and your an mouth idea. starts yeah. puckering up, there's never a lemon here. We don't. We're not smelling a lemon. We're not tasting a lemon. But the body can react to a thought, and that's what we're really turning that's how it sort but of but he didn't started. realize that no, well they realized that after when oh, he realized when he, it after. when he start breaking down what's actually happening and then they started realizing like william james you know coined the term that you cannot change something in your mind and behavior in one level of consciousness when it was created by a different level of consciousness so that we started to understand that there's two levels of the mind, the subconscious and the conscious. There's this everyday thinking that we have, and there's this deep-rooted system that drives our emotions and our behaviors. And then that started, and then Freud got involved, and then we started all uh, so, so, developing so, so over So there time. is, there is a, a huge connection between the sort of evolution of, of hypnosis and therapy or whatever, we, you know, psychology, psychiatry. All these things are intertwined? They are definitely intertwined, but there's also like 
only in recent years because brain study is also developing yes. rapidly. And for a long time, they used to, there were studies that said that, well, there's no difference that we can see in brain scans between somebody in the state of hypnosis and somebody not in the state of hypnosis. So science was like, you know, kind of saying that it wasn't. Oh, they were dismissing you. But now. That's changed. That's changed. Uh, I think it was a Stanford study. Yep. Uh, not only a couple of years ago that was showing, because obviously um, their science is changing. They're showing real differences in brain activity and hypnosis versus in, you know, your fully conscious state. So science is also coming around. And now a lot of therapists are also learning hypnotherapy because they're not, hypnotherapy gets this because of the purple cape, because of the cheesy dudes. There's a lot of and cheesy the fear dudes. Hey, hey, cheesy dudes. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> A lot hey, of che- not whoa, you, of course, but there's hey, a lot of cheesy dudes all out there. The right? All the other cheesy hypnotists. I've, yeah. right. I, 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 I've done some shows with some pretty cheesy hypnotists. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but they kill. They kill. They absolutely kill every time. They kill, but it's bad. It's bad out there. <laughs> but hypnosis is like pizza. Even bad pizza is still no, kind of good pizza. Because it's I, that is a perfect analogy yeah. <laughs> because I, I'm always like, oh, this fucking cheesy hypnotist. And then some kid is like running around. Like college gigs love it, right? So then some they kid do, is running around on stage like, this is fucking hilarious. But you know, what's brilliant about it is it's the it's just the people right it's the same situation and people are funny and people do stupid stuff that's why we like to watch you know it's like watching ice skating to watch someone fall or whatever right like the people are the entertaining part and yes. for many hypnotists can get by with not actually being that entertaining because right. the people but, are doing the work for them yeah so you were saying that uh because there's this sort of a, maybe a stereotype or a, a yeah it's it's turned a lot of people though a lot of people also think of it as like a trick or like a magic thing or a some people even get religious about it. They get afraid. They think it's the devil. There's a there's a lot of people that think that hypnosis is like a satanic thing that the devil is putting out in the oh, world. I, I got a great story about this. I used yeah. to tour with, before I opened my show in Vegas years ago. I had a tour bus and I toured all around North America, and I performed at this uh, this area that was kind of a religious area. I did a show at a at a school or something like that, and I came out and uh, to take down you know to load up our stuff in the bus, and there's like a group of about. I don't know, 15 or 20 people laying their hands on my bus, doing these chants and cleansing, you know, the demon the spirits out that it. I brought to town <laughs> in this, you know, what rape van or whatever it was that, that they thought I was driving. And, uh, oh yeah, so it was a big deal. And they were like chanting horrible things and they were yelling at me. And I'm like, you guys yell all you want. Just just don't damage any of my stuff. Yeah. So in terms of uh, hypnotherapy, before we get into sort of how you've brought this into sort of, you know, uh, sex or people's relationships, in terms of, in terms of hypnotherapy, um, is there particular areas that hypnotherapy is more successful at in terms of somebody comes with a problem? Or can it work for anything at all? From the simplest phobia to the deepest, darkest trapped emotion? If it's emotional and behavior driven, absolutely. There's pretty much anything. And then you can also make the argument that if it's physiological, can you enhance or create an environment where the body can heal itself? So, by, so you mean in terms of somebody has a chemical imbalance or there's some sort of mental illness? Sure. So if the brain's triggering some type of ideas, I and mean, this is where you have to be careful. You can't make medical claims, you know, say, oh, hey, sure. if you've got cancer, I'll hypnotize the cancer out of you. Or if somebody's no. like heavily depressed and you say, I can cure it, and then they talk. Right, it, but what know. happens is what, what, you know, there's this mind-body-emotion triangle. So if you change the mind, the body and the emotion follow. Or if you change the emotion, the, bi- the, the body and the mind follow. If you change something that's happening in the body, this cycle continues to go. Like if you're, you know, you look like a really fit guy. You know, if you're running and you're running a half marathon and you're running up a hill and your legs start burning, you start getting fear. You're like, what if I'm not going to make it? 
Yeah. Then the then the mind starts shutting your body down, going, "I'm just not going to make it." And this loop happens. Versus the other way around, if you think, "I feel strong, I feel great," and it's in the mind, then your body now can perform better. So they're all related, and everything's you know connected on this loop. So you can influence the loop in any direction. Right. Yeah. There's. I think there's not a. A lot of people want to say you know therapy versus you know talk therapy versus hypnotherapy, but they're all. It's interrelated. Everybody's different as well, and what they're How willing they, what they to respond, respond to, yeah. to, and you know so. So, but they don't have to fight with each other. They're, they are all sort of interconnected and, and work together. Uh, you know, just like, you know, there's a holistic kind of medicine, right? You can take your medicine from your doctor, but you might also, you know, drink green juice and try to do yoga. But yeah. you don't have to do just one or the other. Sure, sure. Right? And, do complement. <clears throat> and hypnosis is a tool, not a cure, and a very, very effective tool for many different things. Part of the reason it's effective too is a lot of people think about like whatever the behavior is, right? But like, let's say you have a, you smoke or something because that's right. a, a common thing. That's a popular one, right? I yeah. went to a hypnotist people, to try to get me to stop less smoking. It's popular. Less, fewer people are smoking over here. Because we get Chantex. I gave up, I gave up smoking from Chantex. <laughs> <laughs> Goodfellas. So yeah, weird. Ray Liotta. So weird. Well, actually, funny enough, I've hardly seen those commercials, but there's a comedian called Kyle Dunnigan who's an amazing guy, instant videos, but he does some jokes about, you yeah. know, because Liotta smoking. It's like, yeah. I, gave up, I gave up smoking from Chantex, but he's actually yeah. like smoking to it all. Totally. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go ahead. Um, oh, God, what was I saying? About smoking. People can come oh, in yeah. and stop smoking. They come in and smoking, and it's not just about the habit, right? Because there's the chemical dependency yes. that gets you, or even drinking coffee or whatever it is. Yeah, so no matter it. what, you have to get through that somehow. Right. But also, absolutely, there's that. But the the far more powerful element of that is the emotional, is the behavior that, I'm sorry, is the emotion that drives that behavior to do that, right? Right. So like if smoking a cigarette is, it's not just a practical thing you do. Like maybe you feel social anxiety when you go to a party and you want something to do with your hands or you want to go out at work and take breaks or you want to fit in with the people and have something to talk about, right? You fit in with a group. There's an emotional driver that gets you to do that behavior, right? Same thing with like um, eating, right? You're like, I don't want to, I shouldn't eat that cake, that slice of cake, right? I'm trying to break sugar. And it's so not, you immediately want to have cake. Well, you do. And it, as soon as you start saying those shouldn'ts to yourself, I shouldn't do that, I shouldn't, you know that what you're fighting is not a, a practical, logical thing. It's an emotional desire, right? Well, to an, have that thing. An and that's where hypnosis can come in. And, and understanding that the subconscious mind doesn't respond to negatives. Mm-hmm. In order to or to not think of something, like if I were to say, there's a prime example, uh, don't think of a pink elephant. Yes. In order to not be able to think of a pink elephant, you have to think of a pink elephant in order to not, that yes. makes sense? So you put the idea into the mind and that's where it can cultivate. So when we think in negatives, and it's a matter of changing people's language, their thought process, because every action we do begins in thought. Change the way you think, change your entire world. Yeah, and the other thing that I think a core thing to understand is like, so you've got your conscious mind, which is basically your logical thoughts. Right. And that's why I said when you hear yourself saying I shouldn't do that, that's a logical, critical thinking thought. Right. You're now uh, analyzing something. But then everything else, your subconscious mind, if you want to keep it simple, is basically just your emotional mind. Right. So anything that happens in your life, that's a good experience, bad, sad, exciting, scary. Those are all emotional experiences. Right. And they mark you and create who you are. Mm. Right. So that's where our behaviors are created on an emotional level. Like there's the, 
you know, the thing you go, you're a kid, right? And you go to the beach with your dad and it's a beautiful day and you swim and then he buys you this giant ice cream cone and this is a wonderful day. Now forever, even not long after you've sort of consciously forgotten that memory, maybe every time you see that vanilla ice cream cone, you want it, you love it, you like it, you don't even know why that's your favorite flavor. Right. Right. But it's rooted in an experience. But the opposite is also true. Let's say, you know, the car broke down, your dad had a temper, he got you know, in a terrible mood and he yelled at you and got to the thing and it rained. He got you some, an ice cream cone and it turned, and it was bad. Like this milk was sour or something yeah. that made you sick and you threw up. And to this day, you don't eat vanilla ice cream, right? right? So in order to change that, you could logically say to yourself all day long, well, you know, plenty it's of people eat then. vanilla ice cream. It doesn't kill them. Yes. It's been in my fridge. It's safe. It's And you, but you just don't know why you just cannot. And you can try to think yourself into that new behavior until you're blue in the face, but we all know that that's, it just doesn't really work, right? So let's say, I mean, it's a silly example of the ice cream, but let's just say you went well, you to a hypnotherapist, right? You, and you you're could like, also use the example of tequila. We all have the same tequila yeah. story, <laughs> continue. Right. Yeah, it's okay. But let's say you go to a hypnotherapist, right? And you're like, I want to eat vanilla ice cream again, right? So that hypnotherapist can take you back and help you deal in the subconscious level, the emotional level where it was created. So let me just ask you this. Are people coming in completely unaware that this is connected to a, some sort of trauma in the past? Sometimes some sort of yes, pain? and sometimes no. Okay. So yes. sometimes you know, it can happen in an early part of their life where they just do not remember at all. And you hypnotize them and go through like a regression to the initial sensitizing event. And they're describing an event. So if you use an example uh, as the ice cream, they can describe the beach and what was there and what shirt they were wearing. And it's you know quite remarkable some mm -hmm. of the things they can come up with. And uh, because it's all stored in the memories and this is memories that we don't necessarily need to, to access. Sometimes people will come in and they know exactly what happened. Hey, this is where, you know, Kate comes in with the, you know, the sex therapy is, hey, I was raped and here's all yes. of the things that happen, mm -hmm. you know, from then and here's how it's affected my relationships. So it, it depends on the individual. And also sometimes people have a presenting behavior, an issue, whatever it is. And it turns out when you get into therapy, hypnotherapy, that the actual thing, like the, the, the things that are linked aren't immediately obvious and they wouldn't be like, it's like if somebody has a, a stutter, right? Sometimes you find out that, and this doesn't seem at first obviously linked, but there was a time they got up maybe in front of the class or, or something and, and somebody laughed at them when they had to do a presentation in class. And that one little thing, right? And they would never say, well, somebody laughed at me one day and that's why I created a stutter. But you actually discover. So sometimes we have things we don't even realize are linked and, and we can discover them. And so that's why it's helpful. But the other thing is, here's the thing. So you go to a, a therapist. Now, I'm not saying one's better than the other because they, they, like I said, things work together. We yes. hold hands. It's all lovely. Again, it depends on what works for you. No, I think one's better than the other, but continue. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know when somebody goes, uh, they've been going to a therapist for like two years, right? And they're like, I finally, I had a breakthrough today. Yes. Right. So we know, all know about a breakthrough. Well, a breakthrough is, it happens when somebody, usually it's like you're crying, right? You had this moment and you're like, oh my God. And you accepted something, you cried. And that was your breakthrough. And it's because when we get emotional, we're in the subconscious state. Our subconscious mind is a little bit more sort of prevalent, right. right? Than our conscious mind in that moment. We're highly emotional. And that's where the work gets done. So you can get there in regular therapy, but the thing about hypnotherapy is it can get you there. You think you can get there quicker? Very quickly. No, I don't think. <laughs> no, no. You, I know. No. <laughs> well, it's, it was, in the class that she took, there, yeah. there was a lady that came up 
uh, and she had a, a present, her presenting ailment was I'm deathly afraid of cats. I can't stand cats. I hate cats. Her husband I, was there. He was yeah. like, it affects our life because she had a job yeah. where she had to do home visits. Yeah. And she had to not be able, if you have a cat, she can't go over to your Panic right. attack. Okay. Right. Wow. Total freak out. Right. Doesn't know why she's afraid of cats. And so we talked about this and, and there was a, a student that was taking the class whose daughter is a, you know, psychotherapist or psychologist of some kind and had a conversation later that night about what she saw in class and asked her how long would it take to cure someone of the fear of phobia of cats and she goes maybe once or twice a week for a couple of years and so this lady comes up and uh differently the lady with the presenting issue of the cats comes up i do hypnosis with her bring her back to an initial sensitizing event when she was afraid of cats it was she was a young girl uh, was asked to take the trash out goes out to take the trash, opens the lid of the trash can, and there's a cat inside, startles her, jumps out, is at nighttime, she immediately has a panic attack. So this creates a new loop in our subconscious, in our nervous system. So this loop now goes, this was a very, very terrifying situation. She was we've like just, six or seven Yeah, or we've jumped back, we had the fight or flight, now this is a so, new So loop. she's feeling this now in, in real time with you. Right. Oh, yeah. She's sitting in the chair, you know, hyperventilating, pulled her pumping. legs up. Oh, yeah. She's reliving this experience. And, but this is a, a loop that's created a lot like if you put your hand on a hot stove and you're like, oh, oh, that's hot. As a kid, the brain goes, okay, that's hot. Let's pull back the hand, you know, because we're saving our life here. Well, it creates an association. We don't have to go to the fireplace and touch that and realize, oh, that's hot. Or go out to the barbecue grill and put your hand on that and go, well, that, as soon as we get near the heat, the brain goes, that's just like the hot stove that we touched. Yeah. Pull the hand back. So there's an association. This is where phobias get created. A fear is I'm afraid of this thing, this cat. A phobia is I'm afraid of all cats. So it's quite easy how that transition happens. So with her, we go in to this initial sensitizing event um, remove that that feeling. Like, well, can you understand? So, how it? do you patch it? Well, it's easy. It's easy. It's an easy patch. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so, then we did something called Gestalt dialoguing. All right, put the cat on the chair. Talk to the cat. She's like now vocal. You scared me. You did. And then I said, now be the cat. She goes, well, you scared me. I didn't know you were coming there. Right. You so she's having up. a full-on conversation created in her subconscious mind with this cat. It sounds a little crazy, but now she goes, well, you scared me. Well, and then, she, well, then I just, well, I didn't mean to scare you. Well, I didn't mean to scare you. This was just kind of a freak situation. And then resolution happens. So now I reach out and I touch her and I go, is this, I understand how a six-year-old can view this situation. Is this any way for a grown woman in her 50s or 60s to view the, you know, the situation now when you look at it from this, is this any way for a grown woman to react in a situation? No, no, no. So we're ready to take away that fear. You know, when we do some type of symbolism, take rid of that fear. Now you have an opportunity to rewrite your programming because cats are loving and they're wonderful pets and they can, you know, but you're also going to be respectful. You know, I mean, if their cat's showing you aggression, you're not going to get into its space. And is this acceptable and agreeable to you? And the mind goes, and she says, yes. So now it creates a new association, a new neural pathway, a new loop. She like left a that new session. emotional contract yeah. with herself. But yeah. she also solved the problem herself. There's a difference. 99% of hypnotherapy is direct suggestion. And it can be just fine if you're already ready to accept those ideas. Right? Like if I, if she, if he came in in that therapy, he does something called transforming therapy, which is all of what he sort of just talked about. Yes. So, because if he had come in and just said, put, put her in a state of relaxation and then hypnosis and then said, you're not afraid of cats. Cats are wonderful. You have no fear of cats. Right? 
that's okay. And maybe she kept coming and maybe if she was already really ready in her mind to accept those ideas and also things like how people you respect and look up to your husband or your coworkers, if they back those things up, that can help. Yeah. Right. If they give you lots of compliments for your new behavior, all that can help. But as you can imagine, it's limited, right? Because he's implanting ideas in her head about, but her emotional driver wasn't, is still there to be afraid of cats. Those, she hadn't dealt with those feelings. She didn't come to any kind of, she didn't close the loop, right? She didn't yeah. actually, but in this way, she actually was able to, within her own mind, um, it's like, you know, when you have a breakup, right? And you, you know, you, you know, the person that's like two people break up and one person cannot get over it because they don't have closure. They had to know yes. why. Holy shit, they cannot deal with it until they know why. And it's the same thing. You could tell that person over and over again, right? Like it's, you know, these things happen or it's not you or you just need to move on, but they got to get that closure. So transforming therapy, why it's so effective is that it gives people the opportunity to find the closure themselves, which is right. obviously infinitely more powerful than somebody just telling you new way to think. So my last question before, because I, I mean, I could actually talk about what we're talking about now for hours. Well, let's I keep find, going. I find it fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting stuff, yeah. So what is the difference between neuro-linguistic programming and what you're talking about? Neuro-linguistic And I only, and just let me admit that I only know about NLP because my ex-girlfriend brought me to a Tony Robbins <laughs> conference. Yeah. So I, I would like yeah. to point out, and I'm not saying that you guys don't like Tony Robbins, but... I don't like Tony Robbins. I, on a totally separate, we could have a whole, I would love to hear maybe when we're done about your experience. But I'm not afraid to put it out there, but, yeah. uh, but I do not dismiss NLP as a thing. But I yeah. do know that he essentially promises what you're saying in terms of phobia. So I'm just curious to know what the difference is. Yeah, because his initial, whole initial thing is that he cured, he says he started because he did some thing where he cured a woman's phobia of snakes on stage in front of people using NLP, I think yes. is what his Now, by the is. way, I am, I do not, I'm not putting you guys on the spot. I'm, I, yeah, I no. don't care about your opinions about, like, sorry, I don't want you to feel obligated to give me your opinions on Tony Robbins. No, I'm I just, I'm just admitting where, because I don't want my listeners to be like, who the fuck does Dense think he is popping out the word <laughs> neuro-linguistic programming with these fucking hypnotists? He doesn't know what he's talking about. But that's, I'm asking you because he made these claims, uh, you know, but he does admit that it's NLP, but. NLP is derived from hypnosis. Oh, right, okay. That's mm -hmm. where it comes from. Okay. It is a shortened version of hypnosis where it's new associations, whereas hypnosis, I feel, is much more effective. I use a lot of NLP techniques as well because, I mean, they're, they, they're born from the same, yeah. the, same, uh, the same mold. But hypnosis is better long-term because it is dealing with the content. There's content therapy there. We're dealing with the, with the issues, like the lady with this cat that we talked about. She has an opportunity to have some form of resolution about the scenario, whereas NLP would jump and reattach and get past the emotion but not ever deal with it, which has, NLP is great. Very, 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 very effective and a shorter form and a shorter version. And many people have great results. And it's also a simpler, it's not a therapy technique. So it's a simpler thing to teach like business people Right, like just in terms of how they can maybe overcome uh, something that's holding them back creatively yeah. and stuff like that. It's like a little trick to and sort how to of use language in a way that's persuasive and stuff like that. It's and it's a, all effective, right? Very, yeah. very effective. Mirroring, yeah. Yep. But it's not. It's like it's like taking. It's like saying like mantras versus meditation or something. Like one maybe goes to a deeper right state, but they're kind of born from the same place. But like, you're not going to, you're not going to teach like NLP goes out to business people all over the place. That's like a big thing. Salespeople yes. and whatever. Yes. You're not going to teach salespeople. They're not going to spend weeks and months learning 
hypnotherapy or whatever, right? Like really the deep yes. nitty gritty and the techniques. So, so there's just some just, some simple tricks that you can use. Yeah, is the, what, tricks is not a great word. It's they're, they're, they are techniques yes. and they are, um, you know, bridges kind of like an, there's a, when you create an idea of an initial problem and you want to get to a new result, there's an, there's a, a shortcut or an affect bridge that causes you to bypass and lessen the emotion and move on to the. <laughs> Do you have somebody thing. at the door? <laughs> no, it was just an idea I had. No, because I, I, I remember, totally I, I remember one of the things I took out of this Tony Robbins conference was a power move. He gets you to do a power move. Yeah. You choose it yourself. But in fairness, because can I'm a show, you, well, because I'm up? a performer. <laughs> is it appropriate for audiences? Yeah, uh, yeah no. <laughs> I'm a New Yorker. Of course, yeah, my yeah, power no, moves. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the uh, I, I just because I'm a performer. I, I, I you know, I, listen. I, I at the time I was going to get as much as I possibly could out of this conference. Yeah, well, you're there, uh, I'm so, right? I, I'm so Irish, and then I'm like literally like trying to hide the fact that I actually enjoyed some of this fucking. Comedy. That is so. <laughs> It's like, actually, it turns out I got something out of it. But that anyway. My ex-husband is English, and there's a lot of similarities. Yes. Like, yeah, you got to be a little you cynical. Gotta, you're you too cannot cynical let for that go. Tony Robbins. Yeah. But, yeah. but anyway, uh, th th so I'm a performer, so it was like whatever technique he was trying to do of getting yourself in that frame of mind for success on stage. My power was just a simple like punch into my hand, kind of just like a thing, which I did for a while, and then it, and then it fades. But that is very much an NLP thing, isn't that you right? You just linked that move to an idea or yeah. a feeling, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, and you're creating, uh, a, you know, a new neural pathway is really what you are doing, you know. And but we do that every single day. We do that every single day with, uh, with you know, experiences and friends and family and children and how we're raising children and and we're we're creating a modifying behavior all the time. We're, we're kind of always hypnotized. We're always being hypnotized. It's what, just what by life. Yeah, yeah literally, yeah, and by the people you're around and by the things you say to yourself all the time, because there's different ways your mind is programmed. Right. We program. We're basically like a computer yeah. and we're running a program. Right. Our computer and our subconscious drives all our behavior. Right. So if you program in a bunch of bullshit in your mind about how you're horrible and you suck and you don't look good and I'm a, I'm fat, I can't lose weight. and Nobody likes me. Then your subconscious runs that program basically. So it's really important, like all of those things, how you speak to yourself, because all of those things on an everyday basis are writing your subconscious, like basically your roadmap of how you're going to behave and how you're going to live life. And I mean, that's not even like woo-woo, rah-rah stuff. It's just pretty, pretty basic understanding. Once you kind of understand how your brain works, I talk about, because I, I, I don't, it's not just women, actually, I, it's everybody, but I talk, I started off predominantly talking to women about orgasms, Right. Yes. Because I spent most of my adult life not able to have an orgasm with another person, which sucks. Right. And it wasn't until, you know, it was like learning about how the mind works is what and the sort of foundations of hypnosis. I wasn't hypnotized to have an orgasm. I just learned all of a sudden I learned a lot of levels of how my brain was working and what I was, where it came from, why it was happening, and then what I was doing on an everyday basis well, you could to perpetuate by, the problem. you could orgasm by yourself, yeah, yeah, which yeah. meant it yes. was not a physical issue. So now and it's all and of a sudden for women, And for women, it's almost never a physical issue, right? And it's not a blood flow issue. That's why Viagra for women was so challenging. They cannot make a good pill for women because it's the brain. It's, yeah. it's emotionally driven, right? And so cocaine. many women. Cocaine. <laughs> yeah. I just should have oh. sold cocaine. That's it. Sold it a lot easier. I, we, I don't do cocaine. I don't mind the smell of it, though. Uh, oh, God. Oh. No. <laughs> He's like, what? Oh, yeah, but no. Terrible. So, no, but uh, so, so you, but you were already into hypnotherapy before. Well, I, I, like I said, I had an understanding of it. I was a per performer and I had 
I've had a lot of different jobs or whatever, but I was sort of in that world, but I wasn't really doing it. And then I took this course. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this course. But I thought I was going to take this course and I was going to go off and do more performing with it. So you, you, you took the course, which was a general hypnotherapy course, or you actually took the course because I can't orgasm with somebody nope, else. No, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't apply it to me at all. I was like, I'm going to take a hypnosis course and then a stage hypnosis course because right. I'd always been, and I'm like, I'm going to go, to, I'm going to go make people like do stuff, right? As right. a performance. And then I saw therapy live and, and it blew, it just completely changed my um, trajectory. I was like, oh my God, that was amazing. And I want to learn why that works. I want to learn how that works. I want to help people. And therapy live is? Like I was watching you. This particular do cat session cat I'm talking about. Yeah. She was in that class watching this. Oh, so the class so, we started, yeah. that we talked about right And it was yeah. so powerful, so interesting. And I'm a very analytical person. I like to really understand things. So I'm like, I, I want to understand that. But I, would, I was going home every day from that class. And I was like crying. I was a total basket case. Because once you start to learn how the mind works and how we get there emotionally and why we are who we are and all our programming, all the shit our parents have said to us and how that's created yeah. who we are and all that stuff. I couldn't help but obviously reflect on my own life and choices I'd made and places I was in my life. And I'm like, you know, crying and trying to figure out. So I started to apply it to my own life. And so then once I was able to have kind of a breakthrough, then I realized that I really wanted to help other. At first, I was focusing on women, help women who are, you know, have problems healing from trauma and can't orgasm with other people or feel they can't orgasm with other people. I want to help them do that because, you know, life without good sex. No, Not I great. Feel, no, it's, but, 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 it's, but in that. fairness, you, you were motivated by more than just that though, right? But you, you did have a sense of wanting to help women. At first, I was really focused on helping women orgasm. Like it was a very specific thing that I wanted to help women learn to orgasm, not, not give women, women orgasms yeah. and hypnosis. Cause there is like a whole world of that. Yeah. Like, a really weird world. There's like a weird <laughs> world of like erotic hypnosis where oh, people right, are okay. like do sexual hypnosis, but like, that's not, I want we'll to save that for people. another episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, a, that, that in itself is also fascinating. It is super interesting. It's super yeah. interesting. Um, but so, and then it expanded as I started talking about sex in the mind and how they relate. And I started talking to more people and then I realized how many people a like how I don't know if this is an American thing more than it is a European thing we could maybe argue that but certainly here people don't have a great place to talk about sex learn about sex that isn't like seedy or porn right I have no problem with porn I love porn so there are saying. always seedy associations in fact yeah, sometimes on stage I try to make a joke about why do we call sex dirty yeah now, of course we've we've learned to love the dirtiness, quote unquote, of sex, but we wonder where did this word come from? So totally. obviously all associations with sex tend to be... They are. There's an innate negativity about and, it, right? And an, asso uh, an assumption that it should be private. Absolutely. It's our private parts, yeah. right? We're from the very beginning, we're... And even, I even, one thing that I can't stand is that for women, right, you lose your virginity. We start off our sexual life by losing a part of ourselves. Yes. Right? We don't gain anything. And of course, men are framed a little differently. It's like high five, right? Yes. When men have sex. But women, we have this... Well, they thing gave it up. Yeah. Well, you give it up. You lose it. Right? It's a, you start off with this idea that a part of you is gone. It's almost like it's a psychological currency that sex is built around. Absolutely. Yes. And it's negative, right? And then sex is dirty. And, and you will never be that again. <laughs> yeah. You, you Which know? is a <laughs> hilarious thing. You will never be a virgin again. You only have that to give away and once. And you know what? It's also like virginity itself other than the act of having sex and you say i had sex like breaking the hymen all of that 
that's all nonsense. It's not scientifically based. Like you can have, you your hymen can break way without having sex. Yes. It can actually not have broken. Like there's a million. It has nothing to do with yes. it. But we have it as a thing, right? This like penetration, weird, creepy thing yes. we have. It's just awful. So we start off with all these negative associations to begin with. And people, I realize, men and women alike, and everybody in between, they everybody's like secretive. They can't even talk to their partners about how, about sex half the time. People don't feel like they have a place. So people started just like, like my DMs are an interesting place. Yes. <laughs> you know, but people feel that they want someone to talk to. They want to talk about, they ask me really intimate stuff. They tell me, you know, men come to me all the time and they're like, you know, how do I deal with erection issues mm. and all this sort of thing? And people talk to me about their, their problems in their relationships, their problems with their own sexual um, performance. I don't like the word, but all of that. So I realized, oh, there's a lot of people that not only feel like they need help, but they just seem to respond to um, talking about sex openly. And if, I was nervous, right? Because like, you know, I've got a mom and like, I just did a video yes. that's like how to lick pussy. How to lick like, pussy. And every time I put one out, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I wait for my mom to call me. But and that's, be all like, old, that's all old programming. Yeah. Because right? I'm like, you know, it's like, shame i know i mean shame. my co-host always apologizes to her father when we're talking about something dirty on the podcast she doesn't yeah i mean she knows she's doing it <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of like yeah. a running guy's like sorry dad if you're listening to this sorry totally sorry but can, can, can i just focus then on because this comes up a lot not just from the podcast but even in my life you will meet a lot of women that say i just can't come with somebody else yeah it's so that's common. very common yeah it is and is also, that like one of your your top three things that people come to you with? Um, it is. And it was also the thing that kind of drove me initially. So it's also like a passion thing of mine. Um, so from a hypnotherapy point mm -hmm. of view, what, how do you help these people? Well, part of it is like I was helped just by learning all the ways. Like one of the things that I realized, and this is such a simple thing. I talked about how like we're basically running a program. We're like a supercomputer. So I realized that I had probably said to my girlfriends, I can't orgasm. I don't know, a thousand times, right. <laughs> right? How many times did I say, I can't orgasm, I can't orgasm with another person? Every time I said that to myself, I uh, created that programming for myself. So what do you think is going to happen? My body's going to do as it's told, right? Like how many times did I say that to myself? So it's like if you tell a kid, you know, you've got a little kid and you tell him like you're dumb and you're a fuck up over and over again. Are they probably going to grow up and be dumb and fuck up? You know, probably. Because yeah. if you tell someone long enough, they believe it, right? So that's somebody else's words to you. But the same thing is true for the words you say to yourself. It's absolutely true. So one thing I had to learn was that um, repetition. So the things you repeat to yourself all the time, those ideas. And also when, uh, affect you, right? And it's also when we work in things like always and never, those are self-limiting statements. No. Oh. Right. So if you're like, oh, I'm always late. Oh, God, you know me. I'm always, always late. late. Right. Stuff like that. You really should like, a, you know, sometimes people go, you should say I used to be right. But that sounds stupid. I used to be a late person. Right. Like it sounds. But you can say and then like, I went to a Tony Robbins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, life, but you can say hey, it changed I, my life. Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Life, right. Life doesn't exist in absolutes, but we think in absolutes we quite do. often. Right. And, and that's something to start to like notice about how you think and go like, oh, I say that shit to myself a lot. Like I need to work on that. Right. So you can say like, oh, you know what? I'm trying to be on time. I'm trying to be on time. I'm working on being on time. But just on a practical, just in terms of like, what do you tell women to say to themselves in relation to 
having a hang up about having an orgasm with somebody else. Well, to not use always and everything. You could say I currently struggle with, you know, I'm working on it. Um, and also to yourself. It's like, you know, it's part of it's like saying the positive mantras to yourself. But it's also just rewriting how you speak to yourself and how you um, label yourself as I am a person who does not orgasm. Right. And also, you know, it's tough. It's like, I'm sure like any guy who's ever dealt with erection problems knows that like the more you focus, we think we're focusing on the positive outcome, but we're focusing on the negative. And so you have to recognize when you do that. So when you're like, um, I gotta keep it up, right? Gotta stay hard. I gotta keep it up. I gotta stay hard. Gotta keep it up. Like how likely are you to stay hard and keep it up? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I always like to use the example of how um, sometimes a man can't pee when another man is next to him at the urinal, Mm -hmm. even though they pee all the time. For some reason, suddenly this guy is there and they think, Oh shit! I, I, this guy's fucking. I can well, tell that I it's mean, been seven seconds since I've peed. <laughs> yeah, fear and anxiety you know, cripples the nervous system. You know, yeah. it absolutely cripples the nervous system. That's why we have a fear of public speaking. You know, it's the fear of criticism. It's not the speaking in public that's the that's the the, the bother. That's right. And but say, sex is the same thing. Is that we create this in this environment of self-imposed pressure, and the orgasm becomes the goal. Mm. When and once it becomes the focus and the goal that changes the entire process on how to get there and impedes the process. And one thing to understand from, from a, a mind perspective is the conscious mind and the subconscious don't work well together. And any time that there's any conscious effort, it lessens the subconscious response. Right. Meaning the harder you try, the more difficult it becomes. And hypnosis and sleep and sex all are things that happen in the nervous system and it's like trying to fall asleep. If I say, fall asleep right now, mm. go to fall asleep, close your eyes, fall asleep. It's impossible. You can't force yourself because your body has to transition in the, the uh, sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system to allow that process to happen. In order to fall asleep, you have to allow yourself to fall asleep. It's like... Uh, oh, so that's why we fall asleep. Sometimes you listen to a podcast, and then you forget that you're trying to fall asleep mm-hmm. next right. thing. Mm-hmm. Or, or the next morning. Right. Yeah. So in you're order to fall 10. asleep, yeah. you have to <laughs> just allow it to happen. Same thing with sex. The moment you start making things happen, it becomes a conscious effort, mm-hmm. and conscious effort impedes subconscious response. One of the tricks that we talk about is like, so instead of focusing on like, oh my gosh, can I orgasm? I want to... Because by focusing on this idea of I really want to orgasm, what you're actually focusing on is I hope I don't fail right. at orgasming. So that's what I meant is sometimes we think we're focusing on the positive goal, but what we're really focusing is on the fear of not achieving it. And so, you know, one of the things is to stay in the room. Like when you start to focus on, um, like for a woman, when she wants to focus on having an orgasm and she doesn't orgasm, is to stop focusing on that and start thinking about um, uh, being in the room. Like, whoa, okay, close my eyes. What does my skin feel like? Can I, what does my skin feel like in the sheets? What do the sheets feel like? That feels good. Is it cool or is it hot? By taking your attention onto it, A, helps bring you back into the room instead of in your head because sex doesn't really work when you're like in your head and you're just thinking about things. So you're starting to Depends focus on <laughs> other ideas. <laughs> I don't want to tell men to start thinking, what does my skin feel like? <laughs> we have an That's right. Men are too busy thinking about people they're not fucking. <laughs> right. They're busy thinking about the woman they'd rather be fucking. <laughs> I'm only joking about that. I can't believe I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and I also don't want them to be like, uh, what does my skin feel like? Oh my God, it feels so good. <laughs> we need to think on some other yeah, things. Let's, let's face it. Men are not struggling with orgasm. Right, like, so like, the opposite. I, I, we yeah, we well, need to have I'm a gonna, I have a question in a minute, but I don't yeah. want to ruin this train of thought. So, so yeah. Because so this like, is good advice about staying in the room. So yeah, start noticing 
it's start noticing how you feel. How does my, how, what's the temperature? How does my skin feel? How do the sheets feel? Right. And then start focusing on sensation only. What feels good? What it does it feel good? That feels good when I move like that. Because what you're doing is you're retraining your brain to stop analyzing. Am I doing it yet? Am I doing it yet? Is it happening? Is it happening now? Because that's a, that's like a cycle that happens. And so noticing what's in the room. Another thing is, like I said, reframing your thoughts and how you speak to yourself and how you speak to others about what you're, and not calling it a problem. <laughs> One of the first things is like taking away the power of the problem. Because a lot of times people like to, everybody has like a badge of honor for their problem, right? And like almost like it's part of their identity. A yeah. golden wound. It's your, it's right? your thing. And it'll, sometimes it can, you don't even realize on an emotional level that you use it to get attention or you use it to not have to step up to the plate and do something scary. Right? So we have our golden wound. So if you... Like lactose intolerance? Yeah. <laughs> lactose <laughs> intolerance. You're, you're just, you're, don't be a victim. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you're like, I have a problem with orgasming, right? You are... A, by calling it a problem, you are labeling yourself, you are telling your subconscious, well, give up because you, you know, you've got this issue that you can't. And you're also stopping yourself. Basically, you're, you are walling yourself off from having to step up and do something scary, which is be intimate, allow something to happen, connect with another person. You're hiding behind that a little bit. So stopping yourself from that, noticing things in the room, right, when you start to feel like you're getting in your head. Uh, just to bring yourself back and get yourself off that train. And also, um, I'm doing self-hypnosis audio programs. And so I'm writing them right now. I'm going to be putting them out soon for sex and sex-related stuff. Because I listen to, I have all kinds of self-hypnosis audio programs, like, you know, apps and stuff that I use all the time, other people's stuff. Nobody does one for sex. Uh, and sexual and body confidence and all that stuff. And, which is crazy because it's an emotional experience, right? It's all emotionally driven or... You know, and so um, it makes perfect sense to have that. Yeah. But, you know, you can start, if you start to listen to a program for controlling, you know, erections and for, you know, body confidence or for orgasms, the more you listen to that, it's kind of like, you know, the first time you meditate and you suck at it mm. and you're like, I'm horrible at this. But the more you do it, your brain starts to go, when you sit down, you get into that place, you take a deep breath, eventually your brain will start to go, okay, I know what we're doing now and chill out a little bit and, and you get a little better at it. So right? it's almost like a mental rehearsal and, yeah. and you know, like Same all these techniques that, that she's talked about are things you can do while you're in the room. And, but you know, there's also that the thing of where these hypnosis programs come into play is that we can try to change some of these things consciously, which we're training the subconscious to do uh, in while we're in the moments. But sometimes if the issues are deep rooted or they're, you know, people are having trouble overcoming them, this is where you need to re rewrite it in the subconscious. And yeah. this is where hypnosis becomes such an effective tool. Yeah. And it's when you were talking about, um, and you, your personal story too, is that when you label it and you, you create this golden womb, you bring everyone else in with the, into the same problem. So then you have the guys that come in and go, Hey, yeah, I can handle hey, this. Hey, 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 yeah. oh, yeah. you uh, just okay. haven't seen this yeah, yeah. yet. Right. <laughs> and they're, they're like, you know, I'll, uh, yeah, I and then the that just creates right. a, a negative environment for everyone. So, so suddenly you're not having sex, you're in a competition. It's a proof. It's, yeah, 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 it's yeah. A, literally a challenge. Yes, now you become a challenge and then it's like a whole, and then what if he's like a, because I had this before, trust me, it's like, I'm sure on a subconscious level, if I were to analyze it, right? Some dude, I dated in LA for like many years, right? So like some dude and he's like, hey, oh, you don't, hey, watch, you know, I got you, babe. All right, and he's going to show me and I'm like, do I want this to be the guy that like 
this this is going to be the guy that finally but, but, makes it happen. But so, j- you know, just to take yeah. it out of the negative realm, just for a sec. Mm-hmm. But is is isn't it uh, isn't it nice if somebody says, "Well, I'm going to give it everything I possibly can to help you to get." There's through. a difference though between. It, but there's a lot of pressure in that. There's yes. a lot of pressure. It's not very fun for anyone. So that's just not good. Well, no, not necessarily, because you do want a caring and loving partner. But I mean, what happened with us? What was the first thing I said to you? Well, you were like, uh, I said, I can't. And you were like, who cares? But what he said when I said, I can't orgasm, he said, who cares? Because I'm going to be coming. So yeah. <laughs> that's but, your it was actually, but it was there not was... that. It no, was diffusing the power of oh, what right. she said. Of my, Understanding of my issue. He said, But not cares? everybody can fucking end up living with a no. hypnotist. <laughs> so, <laughs> Listen. Let's, let's be more practical. <laughs> I snap your fingers and you're yeah. going to come. <laughs> I wish it was you are coming easy. now. <laughs> oh, if only, that would have solved it. That would have solved it. But yeah, I mean, he was immediately just like, yeah, uh, who cares? And I'm like, what? What do you mean who cares? And he's like, does it feel good? Are there things that feel good? I'm like, yeah. He goes, great. Do you, do you enjoy other elements of sex? Yeah. Okay. So cool. this was a journey that you guys ended up taking together. Then. Yeah. And I've on and off, I've, I've always struggled. There's times where I've like, you know, come closer, this or that. But it's been, a, it, it wasn't until the last couple of years that I really like nailed this. And so... And, and that was a really powerful moment is realizing like taking away the power of my own quote unquote problem. That's why when I talk to other people, I don't like to use the word problem. I don't even like sexual dysfunction. Mm. I haven't figured out what the right word Erectile is. Erectile dysfunction. Yeah. Mm. Dysfunction so do you think, do you think that's the better compare, you know, people compare different things. It's hard to men and women experience things differently. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know, but do you think struggling to have an orgasm with somebody else is, is more like a guy that is struggling to get it up than, you know, uh, like a premature ejaculation or something, you know. Well, actually, it doesn't matter what else, but it are actually I mean, similar who's, things. Who's suffering from premature ejaculation? I mean, the guy gets an orgasm, right? Oh, yeah. hey, whoa, that feels so good. I mean, right? So, but really, it's the relationship that's suffering. It's yes. the connection of the two because the guy has sex, he has an orgasm. There's not a problem here, right? We put the limit on time, so it becomes, you know, the, the societal. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, go ahead. But but without, without sorry, I, perhaps premature ejaculation was, a, was a, a bad thing to say. But what I'm saying is, is it very, is it almost a similar thing that's happening? A woman struggling to have an orgasm with somebody else, a guy struggling to get an erection or maintain his erection. Is it actually coming? From, I know that there are some physiological things too that may be going on, but outside of that, it's all basically the same thing. It's all we've all got all these emotional things. We've all got these associations. There's even stuff that's like. Like one thing we talk about with premature ejaculations is like, you know, I mean, I'll let you take this because you're a guy. I understand it. But I'll let you take the thing. You know, you grow up and you're young. You do things fast. Right. It's a rehearsal. Right. I mean, when you're 14 or 15, or 13, whatever, and you're you're exploring your own body and you're masturbating. When do you do it? Do you do you light candles and you lay in your bed and you do 25 minutes of this masturbation and you get the music on and you're training for how sex is going to be? No, you're like, okay, I'm going to go shower. And you like quickly crank one yeah. off before you shower and then you shower. So you've rehearsed from the time you're 13 till the first time you had sex to be done as right. fast very as possible. Yeah. So you've conditioned your body and your mind. So now your subconscious mind goes, hey, erection, oh, friction. We go from zero is. to launch yeah. as quickly as possible. So the first time you have sex, uh, oh, my, oh my God, and then it's over. 
So yeah. we've conditioned this way. It's and not how. By we, the way, is there is there is there evidence to back this up, or is this just a hunch that you have? This is, or this is actually a thing that drives. I've criminal. never looked at the evidence. I don't need to look at the evidence. Oh yeah, no, I I'm just, I'm just the subconscious mind. Yeah, and this is how our bodies and minds. Because it's work. how it responds to everything, right? Yeah. The way you rehearse is the way you, or the way you practice is the way you play, and the subconscious works that way. So you know, it's. And it works that way with everything. That's why we know. It's because we see it modeled in every other aspect of emotional right. life. From smoking right. to weight loss to nail biting it's to all, public yeah. speaking. We, we create this rehearsal and the subconscious mind takes the ideas as programming and fulfills it. Because the subconscious mind is a goal striving, goal achieving machine. Its sole function is to do what you want it to do with the ideas and the thoughts. Sometimes those thoughts are wrong and sometimes it thinks it's protecting itself. Whereas like, oh, I don't want to go up there and speak. My hands start sweating. My stomach turns yes. in knots. feel like throwing up because the body goes, this is a stressful environment. Get ourselves out of here. Adrenaline's pumping, fight or flight. But really in reality, it's not. But we've created yes. this programming. And it so, is, isn't it one of the top uh, greatest fears? Yeah. It, it is the greatest fear. People would rather die than public speak. Mm. You know, the second and I would rather fear, die yeah, than the, not be public speaking be public. at least four or five times a week. Right. <laughs> you, you grew up, though, you, you've grown up maybe in a way that, I mean, everybody's different. Some people, I'm a person that likes to, you know, get out there and, and be around people. But you've also had a lifetime of practice, you know, probably being in front of people mm. and working and stuff. So it's, it's not so scary, right? Mm -hmm. But again, somebody that doesn't, they don't practice it. Mm. So when they get up there and your subconscious, one thing people don't realize too is your subconscious doesn't um, tell you what it has no filter about what's useful or not useful, what's good or bad. It's always just doing its programming, right? So it's like a, you know, it doesn't know the difference. Like if you're walking through the savanna and there's a tiger, right? And you're a, a primitive human, right? It, it doesn't know the difference and you've got to be, you can't just be relaxed, right? And easy. you've got to be aware in case you get killed by a tiger, right? And it's got all these things that happen, mechanisms that kick into place to keep you safe in scary situations. But it doesn't know the difference between that and an, an idea that's scary, all which right. is why it doesn't know the difference. So that's why when it's like, people always go like, I don't understand. Like, you know, in hypnosis, you can see someone do something funny or crazy. They can understand the, they cannot understand the, the, fun version of it the fun but you could all understand the negative which is like like you said um if i told you right now somebody to get up and sing it doesn't get the idea of that if they believed that i you know was gonna make them do that all those things kick in it's an idea and our body responds oh my god i have to i feel like i have to poop right and i'm sweating and whatever so your yeah. body absolutely responds to ideas and most people can identify with that because most of us have had some idea that made us feel nervous mm -hmm. and our body responded to that or sweating or whatever. So in the same way, your body can respond to positive ideas in the same way and make positive change, right? Like in the same way that it responds to negative ideas, right? And our body can change negatively. But, yeah. but people seem to dismiss that. They look, oh, power of positive thinking and they roll their eyes. We all can agree the power of negative thinking is extremely impactful. Yes. Positive thinking is less measurable. Right? Because you don't think about, oh, hey, well, you go along and you had a great day, you had a great day, great, great, great mood. But you have a bad day, that's much more noticeable. So we tend to discard, you know, public, you know, positive thinking. Yeah. But, you know, even, uh, and even two similar ideas where, let's say, for example, we put a 25 foot long board on the floor and it's six inches wide, 25 feet long. Could you walk across that board and do pirouettes and, and a cartwheel along that board and not fall off the board? Yeah. Probably. Now take that same board and move it 
between two buildings that are 50 feet tall. Same board, 25 feet long, six inches wide. All of a sudden, now you're questioning your balance because now there's the fear of falling, mm. the fear of you know, the impending death. Now all of a sudden changes your entire physical capabilities and your performance. Mm -hmm. You don't trust your balance. You're afraid, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do a somersault across this thing. Are you nuts? Your body like, responds to that new idea with all these other. But you are nurse. fifty feet above. Right? Yeah. But I say right. the fear, the fear of falling changes mm. your body, your, the way your, you respond, and your your belief system, the the way you believe in yourself. It changes everything, right? So the negative, I the power of negative thought. We all know that that can do you in and the, and the people that are around you, right? Like when your friends are all negative and they're yes. negative output, that affects you, right? Because mm. those words, they're affecting you. You're taking those messages in and you know, we all know that. So the opposite is also true. The opposite is 100% true. Um, but back to just like, you know, sex and erection. So absolutely the way you rehearse is the way your body is learned, starts to learn to, oh, I know what this is. This is sex well, time. You, well, right? you gave us a female orgasm tip. Do you have a, because we're actually going to do an episode on erectile dysfunction with a couple of guys that cool. have a, a couple of comics that have admitted that they struggle with that. Do you have a, like a similar tip of staying in the room and that do you guys have like a. Well, understanding that the nervous system operates all of these things and that the thought process is very, very difficult to do. Once you get into your mind of the negative loop, it can create you know, uh, in, you know, impending doom, uh, you know, for anybody in that type of situation. So again, it's go with what, you know, create all of the recreate the positives. So if, Oh, this works well for me. Okay. So you do more of that. And then you slightly change the environments, change the patterns of what you're doing. It's like the neuro-linguistic neuro programming. There's a pattern interrupt. Hmm. Okay. So maybe you do something different. Let's not have sex in the bedroom. Let's have sex you know, in the car, you know, where we could get caught. There's a level of, of excitement. So now when you start creating successes or let's have sex on the furniture or in the backyard or now all of a sudden the game starts changing and then you start creating these new positive loops where you can create an environment uh, of successes because successes build upon successes. You're creating a yes set. You're creating a new loop, a new programming that becomes, you know, extremely effective. I had an ex-boyfriend who liked to have a blowjob first and then wait a little while and then have sex. Wait a little while, because then he could have he would have no problems maintaining an erection. Oh, but he had to wait. So not too long, but like have a blowjob, wait fifteen minutes, have sex, <laughs> in order to create a win, a positive for him, because he started having some problems and it was getting in his head. Because I said you get in your head right as soon as you have the idea, then you're like, oh fuck. No, but do you hope it doesn't happen again. And so he created that. So he's like, let's let's try this. Okay. And he wanted to do this because he's like, I've always, you know, the second time around, I don't, I don't really struggle. It's not a big deal for me on my second round. And so he did that to change it up for himself a little bit, you know, and I think you also have to do a lot of same thing. You have to change how you think you have to change. You have to maybe in the room because it's that same thing with women. It's that fear, right? What you're really, you're not going, I hope I maintain erection. You're really subconsciously emotionally you're thinking i hope i don't lose I, it i hope i, I, don't, hope fail. I don't yeah. fail right so what you have to do is take yourself you have to find a way to not think about those things so be in the room think about some other things you know think try to come up with a new you know new things to think about like okay how does my breath feel how does my body feel you know maybe don't think about things that are like going to turn you on too much necessarily if you're trying to not ejaculate don't think about how sexy her ass looks right mm. now if you're trying you know, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying to maintain an erection, do that. But remember, these are all 
conscious activities. Yeah, absolutely. And for some people who struggle, this is where some of these programs they're just coming out with is going to help rewrite the subconscious. When you're not programming working. Right. That we may not be aware of or that we don't know why we're experiencing these things. Because remember, there's two levels that you're attacking it. And remember, conscious mind, you know, the subconscious mind can be rewritten five ways. One of them is repetition. Redoing the proper environment writes it in a positive way or if you're doing a negative behavior, rewrites it in a negative way. Identifying with a person in a position of power, someone who knows uh, you know, more than you do about something, we take their ideas in. Identifying with a group or parent, you talk to people who have the same kind of problems and, oh, this is how I solved it and it helps rewrite the subconscious. Because you believe you can. Right. If, if somebody you respect tells you, which is another reason like sometimes gurus, right? Like if you really look up to a guru or a self-help person and you believe that they have the answers, then the, then the things they tell you could very well be the answers you need. Just and do you think that some, that's sense. why AA works and NA and all these sure, things, they work in a sort of a similar some, way, this yeah. sort of sense of we're all here together and, and this can work as a solution. Yeah. And fourth is an intense emotion. You have some type of emotional experience. The first time she orgasmed and solved with another person, um, with me, it's all of a sudden you go, whoa, there's an emotional high. So now recreating that response. It was a really strong moment that kind of helped rewrite yes. some new positive stuff, right? Just like that breakthrough you have in therapy or whatever. Right. And, and then you're like, oh, it's possible. And, you right. know. And then, the la and then it diffuses the pre-existing program. Yes. And the last is uh, hypnosis. So, can, can, so I was just going to say, I want to ask one more thing before we go, because we've actually been chatting for an hour. It flies by. Crazy. Uh, as a couple, been together a while, do you have advice for couple? Because it's just a natural cycle, isn't it? It just gets a bit boring. Mm -hmm. It gets less frequent. Do you, I mean, it doesn't have to be, it, I, I mean, basically you're saying hypnotism is life anyway, so there's no need to classify <laughs> between hypnotherapy examples and non-hypnotherapy examples. But yeah. just from your own personal experience and also just tricks for people to maintain a freshness, is there anything that you tell people? Well, you know, I mean, it, sometimes people come to me with like really specific stuff, right? But like the, and I'm able to go, okay, for your situation, try this. I think that when it comes to like, it depends on what you're talking about. If you're talking about just general keeping it exciting, then I'm always, all, you know, into things like um, role playing, mm -hmm. right? Or changing up where you have sex. I think you have to make it an absolute, absolute priority. Sex has to maintain a top level of priority for both in a relationship. In a Absolutely. I believe it wholeheartedly. And well, you're given a great example. Like when you come home from work, yeah, like somebody comes home from work, right? You're in a relationship for a long time and you got a house together and you got kids. You're not going to come home one day and go, you know what? I'm just tired. I'm stressed lately. I'm not going to pay the mortgage. I'm not going to feed the kids. So those things maintain a priority no matter what in relationships, but the thing that gets knocked down, but why are you in that relationship? <laughs> Why are you in it to begin with? Why do you have that house? Why do you have those kids? Right. Right? Because you thought you were going to have a relationship together and form a life together. Right? So if you don't make sex a priority, you're going to dry up your relationship. And so I think you have to keep it. I, I think couples ha have to connect with each other. It's like rehearsal. Right? You can't just go every day we pass like ships through the night. Even if you're busy, I'm not talking about busyness. I'm talking about because we have phones now and we can text and we can FaceTime mm. and we can sext and we can send dirty boomerangs, right? So I don't care if you're busy, right? That doesn't matter if you're on different continents. Um, but if you don't on an everyday basis do constant little things to let the person know that you love them, you appreciate them, they're important, that they're sexy, that they're hot, that they turn you on. And 
if you don't do those things on an everyday basis, you can't come home and go like we do a once a month date night and expect when you've basically been rehearsing roommates and then expect that once a month date night for two hours be lovers. to keep yes. to keep the going right. You're gonna so I think that there's the absolute imperative to every day tell your partner you know send them and they need to do the same thing back. Obviously we have problems when one person doesn't. Mm fit the bill but you need to send pictures of your panties you need to do whatever you need to do on it yeah whatever basis. it is for you and it you doesn't take do long. something if well, you can check facebook you can send a dirty text you can tell your partner they're important you can tell them oh it's so sexy when you do this thing or why you know whatever it is right hmm. when you get up on stage and you do your thing and you're funny people laugh it's fucking sexy and i love you and you're awesome that doesn't take more than 30 seconds but it pays dividends in your relationship so that's one thing and i think sex has to be important and there is you know, you can be having hot, there are people having hot sex when they're 70, right? Like, it's not like you have to, I think we all also face this idea of this inevitable downturn. I think mm. we all feel it. And it's like this depressing idea that eventually it's all going to dry up. And I think that if we, if we make that the inevitable idea of the goal, then we'll fulfill it. And that sucks. Who wants to do that? I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to be like, I've got five good years left, 10 good years left before it all shrivels up and no one wants it anymore. Mm. Listen, it might not be pretty. <laughs> it might not maintain the, listen, what you consider to be the ideal physical it. It presentation. It may not be pretty, but you know, it's like there's swingers out there, right? And there are swingers out there swinging and they are not conventionally, they're not model material, but they are having sex. Mm. They found other people to have sex with and they're doing their thing, right? Because they haven't accepted the idea that inevitably you are not worthy of sex yes. and that you won't want it anymore. So I think you have to have the, you have to have the idea in both of your heads that you can continue to have a sexual life until the day you die. But okay. it's funny how we, you know, we have the psychology of when we're courting someone and we begin the relationship, we do a whole bunch of awesome things. We become the greatest lover. We do the romantic dates. We do the wild fun sex. But then once you get that person, for most people it stops. But if you want your relationship to be what it was when you first started, do the things you did mm. when you first started. Which yeah. doesn't seem like rocket science. But it's no. really not. It's, like it's you, very difficult to break yourself out of the mold sometimes. You literally just can't be fucked. I think you have to be emotionally intelligent. Uh, and I think that you have to be able to have a partner that you can talk with honestly. Because I think the other thing that we face is, I think this is almost the killer because it's maybe at the root of all the other stuff is we have this, I mean, listen, I've got some ideas on my own about monogamy and I think that it's, um, save that for another app because I love okay. that topic. All right. I've got a lot. Oh, Rationalizes a lot of behavior. Easily go an hour. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. I'll monogamy. come back to Vegas and we'll bang out another app. Because <laughs> that's a whole thing I feel like, and there, I've got some science, but I've got some, so I have some issues with monogamy and all the stories. It's like hypnosis, all the stories we've been told from religion, from our parents, from Disney movies, since the day we were born about what you're supposed to, and you know, all these stories though, there's, they always get together and that's the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> For this couple, right? You meet your prince, you meet your perfect princess and they lived happily ever after, which is like, it's everything that comes after that that's important. But, but absent of your opinions on monogamy. But I think, I, but when it, the root of that, those thoughts are that people, you get together with this person and they're supposed to be your best friend. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's like the root of it. They're your lover and your best friend. And you hear forever. everyone says, I married my best friend. I married my mm. best friend. I married my best, my best friend. But how many people can turn to their partner and tell their partner, 
what they really feel and think, how many of them can say to their partner that they saw a hot chick in the mall and thought she was hot, right? You could tell your actual best friend that. Mm. <laughs> could you tell your partner that? Interesting. And so we, what, we ha- what we happen is we get in these relationships. We say, I'm going to marry my best friend because we make them the center of our universe and we make them responsible for our happiness and vice versa. We do it to each other, mm-hmm. which is impossible. And then we get into a relationship and when they start to not fulfill all of those things all of the time because nobody can. Nobody can. So then we create a secret life. We have the version of ourselves with our partner and all the things we tell them and then all the things we can't tell them, we're afraid to tell them. And so then we have that, and then we keep that to ourselves, right? And that's how affairs start. That's how just resentment and you don't want to tell them you love them all the time because you can't really tell them how you really feel and Mm. what you're really missing, what you really think. And you can't even tell them, I have this, this is just one more thing on this. I have this thing that, so like if a person goes to their office every day, every day, right? And there's a, a, somebody at the office that flirts with them and it really is meaningless, right? Like you would probably go, it's meaningless. This guy flirts with me. I kind of like it because it's kind of exciting and Mm. I'm in a relationship. So nobody really flirts with me anymore and I don't get to really flirt. So I'm kind of excited by that. But that in itself, if you can recognize that, I'm just kind of excited because it's new and I don't get that new feeling anymore. That's not actually a big deal and it's not a threat to your relationship. Mm -hmm. However, because you cannot go home and tell your partner that, you know what? There's actually a guy who flirts with me that kind of like gets me excited because if, if you could tell your partner, your partner could go, oh, like, oh yeah, some of that newness, like, how can we, oh, maybe I can, maybe we can do a little role play. Maybe we can go to a bar and like flirt with people together. Like you can, you you can make her bring her back, right? (laughs) Bring him back, whatever. You could turn that into something that helps you because you could actually talk to that person who's your real best friend. But instead what happens is that stupid, meaningless, innocent and pointless flirting at the office now gains significance. Because it represents a you a dissatisfaction and in it the becomes a secret. It becomes mm. a secret life and it grows. And now in your mind, it grows and now it becomes, well, it's because I can't, I can't share with my partners. And now, and then you have an affair and now it becomes a whole big stupid thing that that person didn't actually mean anything. And it didn't, you know what I mean? To you. And it wasn't even about that person. It was about this inability to talk to each other in a way, in a mature way and understand your own drives and understand what's happening and be able to tell your partner without them freaking out and then using that to better your relationship. It's interesting because it's direct contradiction to some stuff I say, which is I think sometimes it's better just not to say because I don't want to deal with the jealousy. Well, that's only because you're the jealousy. That's actually a fear of being criticized or a fear of being harped on. That's not about not telling people. We have a rule. A rule is that no matter what the behavior that we talk about, we have to ask three whys after. Three whys. Three whys. So the why. The she why. can say something because then, then it keeps your ego in check, right? Because this is where the problem is, is the egos are in check, right? Oh, hey, uh, I, m- I want to use a, a, a vibrator uh, you when know, we have uh, sex. on my right. clit. And then, the, and then immediately the guy responds, why? Am I not good enough? Okay, no, it had nothing to do with that. So she might say something like, hey, I watched some porn. Uh, I watched gangbang porn. And I was really excited by it. And I masturbated and it was amazing. My response is going to be, not, oh my God, am I not good enough? You need four guys. You need four more guys. What the, what the hell have we got going on here, right? So my question is, well, why? But also, even if you aren't threatened by it, if you don't ask why, you don't get information you can use. Right, okay. Be, and for that person and for yourself. Because if you just go, hmm, okay, that's fine. That's great. But if you ask me, well, that's but interesting. Uh, uh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll role play it here for a second. <laughs> okay, okay so you it. like four guys, uh, gangbang porn. Why? I might go, oh, well... 
I don't know, just the idea of being kind of like maybe feeling like I'm kind of small and feminine. There's all these guys and they're, they're taking some control. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, you know, so, but what we, so like the, you mentioned control, like, what do you mean by that? Like, why would, why does that? It's like, I don't know. I go to my office every day and I'm kind of in charge and make a lot of rules and it, I don't know. It would just be kind of nice. Or maybe it would be like, I don't know, have a bunch of, a bunch of guys like makes me feel like a porn star. Right. And I feel like I never get to that would be feel super exciting and naughty because I'm always like good girl or something. And so then you can use that information of how can you make your partner feel like right. that? How can you provide? Now you have really useful information. Right. There's a thing. Never yuck anybody's yum. Oh, yeah. I like that you expression. Know? Never yuck anybody's yum. I've heard that before. I don't know if we've mentioned it on the podcast. But it's a great expression. It's a good one. Right. Because if like you're into something super freaky or to me. Um, if I just go, oh my God, that's super weird. You're never going to tell me stuff. You're going to create that secret life again. And that secret life is going to take on significance mm. and become more and more important to you. And it defeats the, the purpose of what yeah. you originally asked. How do you continue to keep the relationship alive and mm. better is because you have these types of conversations yeah. and you move in the direction that fulfills needs. So, you know, a year and a half ago, the, all the porn that she watched was girl, girl porn. Why? Well, I, maybe there's resentment about how I felt about maybe the orgasm in men. Oh, well, why do you think that is? Well, maybe I felt like, so now these answers start happening of things that are the underlying reasons as to where the behavior is. And then you from. can understand that stuff. You can talk about fantasies. You're just more in touch with each yes. other. But you have to be able to ask those questions and think about how you can use it instead of just like freaking out on your partner. But it also diffuses all those little fires. That mm. kind of communication and understanding can put out fires along the way. And but I like what you say on your, I think it's your website about mm -hmm. communication. It's your line. I don't want to say it. Uh, it communication lubric is lubrication. Communication is right. lubrication, which by the way is going to be the name of this episode. Uh, well, actually, I think that, I mean, you hear that in, there. you hear that a lot. Yeah, but you hear that in your world. Therapy, but in my world. I, I yeah. guarantee you at least 50% yeah. of the people listening yeah. to this will have never heard the expression communication well, is lubrication. Like last night I watched, there's this show on, it's old. Like I think it went several seasons. It was on Playboy TV called Swing. And so it's like there's a mansion with swingers and they bring in like a new couple every episode that's going to like try yeah, swinging. Yeah. Right. With like, and they're going to learn they have a therapist in there and then they have a thing. And I find it really, I like to learn about all the different worlds, right, out mm -hmm. there because like, I like to understand them. And so I just found this really interesting. And last night there was this couple that came on the show, like on the episode, and I was so like mad. <laughs> I was so mad at this girl because she comes in with her boyfriend and they're like going to come in this thing. And she was all about like trying stuff with other girls. And she said, oh yeah, he can do other things. Like that's fine. And they had to have a contract and whatever that they weren't going to like use this against each other. And he was super nice. She goes up there and she ends up like he's on the bed. And then there's like three other women who are like have this. So they have this whole female, female thing. And he's just like watching. And she, you know, comes and everything's awesome. And then she doesn't have sex with him. She's like, thanks, babe, for your support. And he's like, you know, hard. He hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't touched another woman. He's like super sweet. He's like, whatever makes you happy, right? And then she like kind of pecks him on the lips and they go to bed. I'm like, whoa, dude, leaving him hanging, right? Well, but he touched then, the girl because they were all kind of just touching each other. And then she stopped. We could lock it out. <laughs> no, I absolutely, I mean, I absolutely love that topic. But I'll be back in Vegas, yeah. you know, because I do the seller like at least two times a year. Cool. So, you know, it's... Yeah, it's monogamy just, is a big... Uh, there's your Amazon. But, yeah, it's a... Monogamy is a big thing that I... Oh, are we... Of, are we still... Sorry about that. I literally couldn't concentrate. Don't be sorry. So we were mid-story about the Playboy episode. Yeah, so she gets all the... She's like... 
you know, wants to swing, she says, and, and they get to this mansion and she's up there with the women and she has this experience with three other women on the bed and he just sits there. So he touches her, his girlfriend, okay, but no one else. And she gets it on with all these other girls and then just like, he's all hard. And then she's like, thanks, babe, kisses him and goes to bed, right? And I remember I was like, all right, <laughs> that's not very nice. Like, give him a little something, right? You got it in you. And then... The next day or whatever, they have like the actual night or what, or, and then they, no, they go downstairs and they're like, one of the girls in the swing, like one of the pro swingers. Okay. She, it was her birthday. So they were like, we're going to do a, a group massage. Okay. So she lays out naked and they get all this body oil out and it's like everybody in the house. And it's not even very sexual, even though she's naked. Cause yeah, it's like, there's like 12 people with like just 12 hands, hands or just yeah, touching yeah. her or whatever, like lubed her up. And, and he's like, he's the nicest guy. Right. And he's like, Oh, okay. Really? He joins in and she joins in. And then about like 10 seconds into this, his girlfriend like walks away. Right. And everybody else is just having fun and smiling. And she just, and now, by the way, I want to say when they came in the house, they established a word that meant I'm not comfortable i'm not comfortable i want to stay it was like lobster was their word whatever i'm out let's stop this okay so she never says the word right she just starts getting huffy and then like storms out of the room and then he kind of goes oh, and he goes upstairs and she calls him a douchebag and she lays into him right and it's this old drama so I'm, she's jealous oh like, my oh, god she turned into such a bitch i'm like run run dude <laughs> get out do not walk right because like she wasn't there to swing to try something a bit, see how it is in the relationship and blah, blah, blah. She was there for herself. She wanted to just get off with a few women and she then get back to her normal female life. She wanted a female and wanted him to just stand by on the side. And poor guy gets in there for a group thing. Like he probably touched a boob, right? With 12 other people. And when it wasn't about her for a second and oh. she wasn't getting what she wanted, she absolutely flipped out on him, right? She didn't say the word. She goes, you should just know what I think. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the yeah. worst. He's yeah. like, but I, I don't know. He starts crying. I don't know what I did wrong. I, yeah. I thought we were here. And, you know, and I'm like, just have a threesome, girl. Like, why did you bring him to the swinger house? It's like, here's the candy store. Yeah. here's all the amazing candy I'm bringing you with you you can't have any but you get to watch me eat and what's really funny about this situation is he's the one that gets you know the, the code word's lobster but he gets put in the hot water and he becomes the lobster he's all, <laughs> boiled to death he's singing, screaming yeah. <laughs> I just oh my god that poor maybe so mad because like uh, and that's obviously like you know, that's the fear everyone has is like you step out, you tell your partner yes. something about how you really feel and then they absolutely freak out. Oh, never you. yuck your yum. That's right. That's, yeah. a, that's how communication this, is lubrication. Yeah. So yes. if, if people live the, the, the form uh, or the format of ask three whys after someone reveals something to you, then you're going to realize that it's not just the initial thought. There's a behavior that's there's some type of emotion that's driving the behavior to get you, to that. But you also have to be with a partner who is like emotionally intelligent. Mm can analyze themselves, can do some reflecting, can take in some information that's not easy and go, okay, that may, I do feel a little jealous, but that's okay and let's talk about it. But if you're with a partner who's going to scream at you and just make everything about themselves, then you know you don't really stand a chance. But you know, it's not a great partner. And also I think you have to show up from the beginning like you have to, you have to try to have those conversations. Like I really want to be with somebody who is an actual best friend. I want to be able to share these things with respect, but with mm. each other. And 
from the beginning because if you like a lot of times people they show up to be like their their best selves <laughs> at the beginning right and they want to be the perfect person version of themselves for that partner and then they get in a few years or they get married and then all those little nagging reality thoughts come in and all those little things and then 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 it feels like you're revealing some dark side of you or something to your partner and it becomes like a much harder thing. So you got to show up from the beginning and, and yeah. get, and, and get don't uncomfortable yourself into the corner. Yeah, Get yourself uncomfortable from the beginning. But I think, I guess obviously the biggest challenge, well, I think for a lot of people is that it's very hard to find someone who's willing to do some of the things that we're talking about. I don't mean yeah, sexually. Is. I mean uh, the communicating and the uh, accepting and the not judging and the, well, you'd, you'd be surprised on how today's day and age is a little different. Mm. You know, we, everything's like, you know, DoorDash and Uber Eats and Tinder and Bumble and all of these things you just kind of pick and, you know, piecemeal mm. what you want in life. And we're no different. We both got out of long-term, you know, marriages. And when we met, um, we were had the ability to say, hey, well, what happened in your marriage? Well, these things. What happened in yours? Well, these things. What This is what I don't want. Well, I don't want that either. So we, right at the beginning of our relationship, we had the ability to sort of, handpick some of the things that they wouldn't like and express that. And I, I think it'd be a surprise. People but, talk more about mm -hmm. relationships because, you know, their voices are heard nowadays. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, in the 60s, 70s and 80s, uh, you know, it wasn't like that. You know, the people played certain roles and, and you know, I, I, it's just different. Well, also, like, have you been on Bumble lately? Because, like, Bumble, there are so many people looking for threesomes and yes, unicorns. And, like, so obviously people are sort of mm. expanding a little bit about, you know what they're and do you find a lot of couples okay do need to get an objective independent observer to suggest some of these things i think it's just like anything like when you're close to it it can be hard to see it and sometimes you also just need like a referee like cause yes. if, if you you know if you tell me how you want things to be or what you see in the relationship i might just be defensive about it yes you know and vice versa whereas if that therapist sees it that's you know, and it's also a person in position of power and all those things that you might respect them and listen to them and take your defenses down a little. So yeah, sometimes like therapy or even just, you know. And do you guys do that? Go Couples? to therapy? No, no. Well, no, I was actually going to say, yeah. do you provide that service? We're actually talking about doing some... Um, workshops with couples like a day retreat or a weekend retreat and having people like just that. to talk to do things like um kind of like communication boot camp getting back in touch with each other kind of on an emotional level a sensual level and doing some Sexual hypnotherapy level. and just kind of getting over some of the issues that you've had because putting together all the different elements that the two of us have i think we could um help people kind of yeah. get over some of the issues that they've been having. So we've been talking about doing and communication boot camp is a great term for the modern for 2019. Kick them in the ass. Crossfit for your relationship. That's right. Everything's going to be intense. <laughs> <laughs> Do you even lift, bro? <laughs> well, anyway, guys, I, I, I have to let you go no. only because, you know, you have to get back on with your lives. Of course. Way more fascinating conversation than I was expecting to have. Delighted okay. that actually you, you asked uh, Mark to be involved, which was great. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, I'll be back out again. Cool. Perhaps we can... Uh, we can do another episode. We, we can in, talk about all those. In the future. For, the, uh, we, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, well, my Instagram. So everything I do is mostly on, on Instagram. So I'm at Kate Sheeler, K-A-T-E-S-H-E-L-O-R. Which means I've been mispronouncing your name until this Shalor. moment. Shalor. Sorry. That's, that's what everybody says. I don't even. It's oh, fine. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so 
what is it? Sheeler. Sheeler. Like she. My apologies. Laura. Don't worry. Don't apologize. So yeah. Um, and I'm katesheeler.com is my website. So, but Instagram, I put lots of videos out. That's where I have like, you know, the how to look pussy series and the stuff on hypnosis and all that stuff. Yeah. So. We still have all that to chat about, but yeah. it's up there, which is great. <laughs> so and we'll if you want to check it out and, yeah. and, you know, people we talk also, a lot about looking pussy on this podcast. So I'd be happy if some of our listeners go to your uh, go to your Instagram to have a look. <laughs> it's hard because like, there's they're one minute videos. Yes. So I'm like over there trying to figure out how to teach somebody to look. Well, you should in a use minute. IGTV. I need that's the next thing. You it need needs to, to go to the IGTV. full video. That's got to be the next move because I I'm like cannot get the information out. Do you have anything minute. to plug? Yeah. Come see my show in yeah, Vegas. Yeah, come see, see the show. show I mean, Vegas. you know, the thing is that it's mostly Irish listenership, to be honest. However. There will be a day when Conor McGregor is fighting in Vegas. <laughs> and you'll be like, where the fuck did all these people come from? <laughs> yeah, I know. Mar- Mark Savard, M-A-R-C-S-A-V-A-R-D.com. And you can access my Instagram, my, my YouTube channel, and see but the videos also, of Mark's things Mark's got like a free audio, a uh, free hypnosis download on his website. So, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, like self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to go on there, you can just get a um, get a program that you can listen to. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's no strings. It's just on there. So you can, if you're interested in that, people. Wonderful. Get out there and well, thank get you confident. Both. Thank you both <laughs> thanks, so thanks much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. So thanks to uh, Mark and Kate. Uh, listen, Kate mentioned her Instagram there, but Mark Mark Savard is on um, YouTube. He's actually got quite a few subscribers. So if you're into watching funny hypnotism videos, do check out Mark on YouTube. Um, we will be back, as always, next week. I'll be back with Katie. We're recording an episode uh, on Monday and uh give us likes on itunes i've got a cast working on getting us on spotify i'm trying i am trying uh but uh, subscribe 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 if you haven't subscribed yet tell everybody about the podcast we seem to we seem to be slowly building up uh, a decent listenership love the feedback uh feedback uh it, at katie boyle comic on instagram at des bishop on instagram or contact the shift at gmail.com. I should have done an episode about Game of Thrones. I was so disappointed with the final episode. Maybe we'll we'll I'll put one up on the Des Bishop podcast, although it's been a couple of days now, so it probably doesn't matter. Um listen, if anybody is in America listening to this, I'm doing shows in Nashville and Huntsville in June, and nobody knows me down there. So if you know anybody down south, Nashville and Huntsville, do send them to my show. I'm in Chicago at the end of June, too, uh, if anybody's uh, in Chicago. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you so much, guys. Talk to you soon.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 